Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Wal-aqibatu lil-mutaqeen. Wal-a'udwana illa ala zalimeen. Wassalamatullahi wassalamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salama tasliman kathira. Amma ba'd. So Alhamdulillah again, we're in uh, the blessed city of Medina al-Munawara. And uh, LP is being uh, uh, broadcast here first. And Alhamdulillah, in the presence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which always adds something special. So, uh, the session today is continuing in the middle of Salah and of course last week's lesson was a deep lesson, an intense lesson, lesson that upset lots of people as we expected, mostly people who have not read enough or studied this issue enough although they think that they have and that's fair enough and they're not to be blamed because there's no doubt that a large number of the scholars of the classical, uh, uh, in the classical sense meaning traditionalists, meaning our own scholars, the ones that we love and respect are absolutely of the opinion where they do not consider any second or third opinions with respect to how the Quran was gathered and the different riwayat and certainly qiraat. And the, the truth is, is that most of these scholars have not been um, introduced to the academic studies that have uncovered uh, issues that are very important to deal with. And I do fear sometimes they to stick their head in the sand and try to avoid it usually by saying yani, this is bid'ah or this is haram or this is takfir or whatever whatnot which is a shame it's a shame because i'm not a uh what am i i'm not an enemy of islam i'm not a um i'm not a rationalist i'm not a whatever yeah this is this is sunni orthodoxy that is discussing points that are of controversy and of course there will be difference of opinion on these matters but alhamdulillah, I, I, everyone should know when you go back and review last week's lesson and it should be something that you should be watched a couple of times. And the only people who are watching that kind of lesson are the students of knowledge. It's not for the awam. Yani this idea that the lesson should be taken down, should be pulled down. Pulled down from who? It's our students who are, who are with me. Like I said, those who have concerns, those who have issues, they can come to me directly. It's a difficult subject. The majority, uh, in, in one sense, many of the people who criticize the issue are correct in one sense, in that the vast majority of the students who were even there, the only thing that they would take from the lesson is that, okay, if you're reciting in Salah, you should recite from the Mus'haf of Uthman. And obviously, I mean, I know you guys are watching online, but with you folks locally, you guys got, saw a copy of it today, right? So today, I think you saw a copy. By the way, that was a copy. I, 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 did he explain that to you? Yeah. He said it was a photo, photocopy. Yeah. So that's a photocopy of what is expected to be the Mus'haf of Uthman. Anyone know what surah it was open at? No cheating, any of the ones that found out. So it's Al-Kaf, it was, yeah. And um, and obviously, uh, you saw firsthand, I mean, to be honest, I think only Abida here really is long-term LP, but you saw how naked the script was. And you could have done anything with it. And obviously, that is, uh, uh, that's accepted by all scholars, the variations that that would lead to. Uh, for example, فَتَبَيَّنُوا uh, and فَتَثَبَّتُوا Okay, and that is clear that how that could happen from one word with the dots yani, being taken from one and put on the bottom and from the bottom and taken from the top. The big difference is, is that the people who are so upset and angry, they think that we're saying that uh, it's just some kind of a random er error. No, we said that the oral recitation of فَتَبَيَّنُوا and فَتَثَبَّتُوا affirms these uh, narrations. Not some kind of random approach that, oh, the text is there and whatever you put there, yani, can be uh, can be part of the Qur'an. Of course not. Our Qur'an is memorized yani, by, 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 by heart. It's an oral, A-U-R-A-L and O-R-A-L tradition, as opposed to just a written one. And as I explained last week in so much detail, most of that yani, was covered, uh, 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 the gathering of the Zayd ibn Thabit, of the different uh, 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 suhaf, the sheets, the planks of wood, the... the, the uh, skin, leather skins, the bones, the tree trunks, everything that was gathered together, it was only to confirm what had already, had already been memorized. And no one is saying that there is any Qur'an or Qur'an, which is anything that had not been memorized and recited, which is why our class position to end last week's uh, lesson and all the controversy and anyone who wants to cause uh, uh, more yani, confusion to themselves, they're really causing it to themselves. They should go back and study it and further. Our closing position is what Sheikh Uthameen uh, says, which is, in closing, he simply says that فَقِرَأَةَ أَوْصَى بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ كَيْفِ يَقُلْ قَائِلْ بَعْدَ سِحَتِهَا وَثُبُوتِهَا عَنْ إِبْنِ مَسْعُودِ إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ لَا تَسِحُ بِهَا That, yes, to recite from the Mus'haf or Uthman, according to all of his qiraat and riwayat, the 7, 10 and the 14, according to the different opinions, is a valid prayer and that's fine. However, if we have a qiraat, 
which is narrated back to the Prophet even if it is out of these popular 7, 10, 14, which you know that I don't give much importance to at all. It's human decision in ishtihad. Yani where did 7 come from? Where did 10 come from? And whatever. All of them have differing uh, principles. It's well known. It's, it, 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 it astonishes me, the ignorance of people who are trying to consider that 7, 10, and 14 are tawqifi, that are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they have been fixed. When the conditions to fix them are the same as hadith. And if you accept that people can differ in authenticity of hadith, how can you not yani, accept the, the, the differences of opinion on what to accept as a qira'a or not? As I said, Imam Ahmed, he did not consider Hamza to be of a, a qira'a when all the others do and the rest of us as the ummah do. So the qira'a of Ibn Mas'ud smashes the idea that the 7, 10, 14 qira'at and the riwayat are to be preserved and to be taken as solid aqidah like the Quran itself. No, no, that's not true. And the qira'a of Ibn Mas'ud is not there. And if the Qira'a of Ibn Mas'ud is used in a Salah, even though no one recites by it today, or very few people recite by it today. If it is recited in the prayer, it is a valid prayer because that is a Qira'a that has an authentic sentence to the Prophet Okay, so the chapter now is the person is... Re, uh, 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 so the prayer... Uh, let me try to translate verbatim. You don't have the notes with you, have either? No one, yeah? You sick guy. Right, so the actual... Um, uh, uh, what is it? أَيْوَهُ.وَيَجْحَرُ.الْكُلْبِأَمِينَفِالْجَهْرِيَّةُمَّيَقْرَأُبَعْدَهَسُورَةَتَكُونَفِالصُّبْحِمِنَالْتِ
which is the starting of all of the mufassal. Qaf, well done. Qaf until? Naba. very good. Amma yatasa'alun. Okay, so from Qaf to Naba, that is the first, the longer mufassal. That means in the Fajr prayer, the Prophet ﷺ would often pray that kind of prayer. And as we said the other day, I think even to you guys I said, 60 to 100 verses is what we expect at a Fajr prayer divided over two units. So roughly average of around 50 per, 30, 40, 50 per unit. Okay, which is taken from the hadith of the Friday prayer, Jumu'ah, Sajdah and Insan. When you add it together, you get 61, divert, divide it, 30 odd, whatever. Something like that. Okay, the medium mufassal, which are then to be recited in Zuhr, Asr and Isha. From Amma Yatasa'alun until Surah Duha. Excellent, Surah Duha. Now, anyone who's been yani, noticing, Sheikh Hudayfi, of course, has been taken, duty has been taken off him in Maghrib Isha and he's been given Dhuhr. And as you've seen, he's made Zabah of us in Dhuhr. Not today, he didn't. Today, he didn't. He was busy today. Today, today's busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, he was on Chutti. He killed us, Yara. But today, he was quick. So, today, so let, me, let me give you an example. Today, he was super quick. If you didn't realize it, Okay, I was, because I was speaking to Mo and I said to him, yani, you know, last two days we got murdered. So today I was really aware of Dhuhr, right? And I know that the Dhuhr, Asr and Isha are going to be from the middle Mufassal, the Sunnah. Doesn't mean you're not allowed to recite anything else, but that's the Sunnah to recite regularly. So from Amma Yatisa'alun until Al-Duha, what kind of surahs have you got? Nazi'at, Abasa, Wallayli Da Yaksha, that kind of thing, yeah? Which are page long, page long. And I told you before, before, that Buruj and uh, uh, Tariq were common surahs that used to be recited in Dhuhr and Asr. So today I decided to recite by Tariq and Buruj. I was unable to finish Tariq, I was unable to finish Buruj. So he was very quick today. He was half a page maximum. Yeah, half a page maximum he recited today. But in the previous two days, I think he's been reciting... At, <laughs> and he's been knocking it out silly times yeah, and he's really killing it. Uh, uh, sajda. Even his sajda was short. Yeah, he was in a rush, no doubt about it. He had a dawah to go to. And then the short uh, mufassal are from Doha until Nas. And that is the common surahs to recite in Maghrib prayer. And that's why Maghrib prayer is generally a shorter prayer. Okay, that's good. So what are we doing today then? So after he's now read the surah, he's now going to So he will now go into Ruku'ah and after that, going into Ruku'ah means after you finish the Qira'ah. And here's something very interesting. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen goes that when you make the Ruku'ah, So before you go to Ruku'ah, you need to have a small bit of silence. There needs to be a small gap of silence. So it's not, It's, Allahu Akbar. Small moment of silence. Listen to this hadith. Sheikh uh, goes, it's not a long one, but it's enough yani, for a person to have a little reflection, a little think to himself, and yani, be able to just to concentrate about, you know, prepare for the next move. Because in the hadith of Samura ibn Jundub, Samura ibn Jundub, if you'd never heard of this companion who narrated so many hadith, what did you hear about him yesterday? Legend. How was he the legend? Who can remember his story? Where did I tell you about Samura ibn Jundub? And Uhud. And what was he won the what? Oh no man. What kind of stories you been listening to? What kind of stories you been listening to? The marriage stories, they were not on Uhud. Were you on another radio frequency? Lala, she goes, I heard everything up there. And did they would you have it on tune to station two? We were we were on station one. She was listening to Sheikh Yahya's one. Sheikh Yahya's one. Love notes. No, no, not that one. No, no, we didn't mention any women. Wrestling. Wrestling who? Correct, correct, correct. When the Prophet ﷺ went to Uhud, took all the kids, then he was able to then suddenly take an account of who have I got with me. And he sees Yani Abdullah ibn Umar, get out of here. Zayd ibn Thabit, get out of here. They're kids. Rafi ibn Khadij, get out of here. Rafi ibn Khadij is a whole world. You know, I'm a six. Uh, what do they call these people? Archers. Archers. Did a one, two, three, proved his game. He goes forward, Samara goes, hold on, you're gonna give my guy a, a go. I can take my, I'm stronger than him. I'm straight out stronger than him. And this is, a, this is a fight at the end of the day. 
So obviously he goes, okay, go on then wrestle. Samur ibn Jundub then wrestled Rafi'ah, he won, so he took both of them. So now you're seeing him now narrate big hadith now later. He is obviously he's very young at the time of Uhud, and now of course he's a, he becomes obviously a senior companion. Radiallahu anhu, what did he say? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi that the Prophet used to have two silent moments in the prayer, or he used to effuse two moments of silence in the prayer. The first of them, when he would enter into the prayer. The second, when he would finish reciting Fatiha and a surah just before Ruqwa. Did you hear that? Prophet ﷺ had two periods. I noticed I two periods of silence. One when he entered the prayer, and the second one after he finished Fatiha and the surah before Ruqwa. Question for you. First of all, look how observant they were. They were noticing every single gap, not just the recitation or whatever. They recognized gaps in the Prophet's qira'ah. And when they consider it to be significant, they'd ask and find out what. What is the first one referring to? The first gap? Go on. Have a guess. Go on. I heard someone say, Yes, it is Tana. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika wa tabarakasbunk. So that is the first gap that they're referring to. What's the. It is silence. How is it not silence? This is talking about a loud prayer. I know, but they still notice not see him moving his lips, so. Uh, not in every hadith, right? So in, some, so in some of the hadith that you hear that he has, uh, that we saw the Prophet وسلم, reciting, that they said that's, that's based on either they're seeing him recite or they see movement. Yeah? When they were talking about silence, it doesn't necessarily mean that they wasn't yani, saying something or not. It was that he chose to do something and not yani, make it aware to the public. That's like the meaning. So the first one we know is the thana. Uh, yeah. So what's the second one? Yeah. So so what do you think is happening there then? Anything to be said? Reflection only. Nothing to be said. But look at this hadith. The hadith continues. So watch this then. فَأَنْكَرَ ذَلِكَ عَلَيْهِ إِمْرَانِ بِنْ حُسَيْنِ Imran ibn Hussein, one of the big companions as well. When he heard this in the majlis, in the gathering, that Samurai had just narrated this hadith, he criticized him. He goes, where did you get that from? فَأَنْكَرَ عَلَيْهِ Companion upon companion. Where did you get this one from? فَكَتَبُوا إِلَىٰ أُبَيْ So they wrote a letter to Ubay. Who's Ubay? Ubay ibn Ka'ab. Okay, look how they have the little hierarchies amongst themselves. They know who's a don amongst us, right? So they wrote to Ubay bin Ka'ab, Ubay bin Ka'ab is in Medina, they are outside of Medina. So they write to Ubay bin Ka'ab, What Samura has said is correct. Yani actually, even we didn't appreciate that there is a prophetic pause. Many of us don't even know that. So when we hear that first time, we're like, oh, we just have to trust our teacher. If that's what he says, that's what he says. And they were like, you know, listen, that's why I don't know about that. So, you know, but they agreed. Okay, let's take it to someone who's more knowledgeable. And when they did that, that was the result. This hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed and Imam Abu Dawood. Okay, and Imam Tirmidhi as well. Uh, hadith number 251 uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, Imam Tirmidhi. So, therefore, this uh, uh, silence is a very short one. It's not like the first one. And it's just in order to prepare for the uh, ruku'ah. Then he makes ruku'ah. And this ruku' al inhina fi dhahr, meaning that their back has to be straight. And when it, and first of all, when you bow, bowing itself is a what we call an act of ta'azim. When you are um, indicating by your act, what? Courtesy. Not courtesy, not honor. What's the right word? Subservience. It's a bit too much. What's in between? If I bow in front of a king, what am I showing? Respect. Obeisance, yeah? I think it's not submission. It's about respect. It's about recognizing that person's position. What's that word? Is it obeisance? Kind of honor. The Arabic is ta'zim. He really considers you someone very, very special. For this ta'zim is what's done. So what do you think that ta'zim? Talking to you and 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Y
Allahu Akbar, that's clearly wrong. But however, to say that this is wrong, Allahu Akbar, and he, he did start when he was standing, right? But he carried it on, or to say this is wrong, Allahu Akbar, and what you saw there was me actually say stuff when I am on the uh, ruku'ah. To go to that level, this is not not correct. You would make yani, the situation too, too difficult upon the, upon the Muslims to get that timing correct. And so Sheikh Uthameen says, we have a little bit of laxity. When a man person is focused, he should try to make sure that it starts when he starts moving, moving, and he should try to finish it before it becomes straight. But if a person did start it when he's standing, and he did end it when he's uh, like that, then he doesn't need to uh, worry the prayer is valid. Sheikh brings up another point, another interesting point. He says, you know, sometimes you've got these Imams who are worried about the people behind them, and so they, they um, manipulate the takbir to make sure that the people don't do uh, ruku in front of them. Okay, so you know that uh, it's not allowed to beat the Imam, to get in front of the Imam. So the Imam knows that, so he's got to be very careful in how he times his takbir because the majority of the people behind can't see him, only the front row can. So he knows that the majority of the people in the masjid are going to be going by the sound. And if he gets the sound wrong at the wrong time, people will go. So if my Imam goes, Allahu Akbar, and he is relaxed and calm, he doesn't know that the rest of the people are relaxed and calm. So when he goes, Allahu Akbar, you'll see some people just go straight down. And effectively, all those people, they end up in ruku' before he's even got there or even finished. So that's wrong, obviously, but that's our fault, not his. What he can't do, and that's what Imam quotes him as doing, is there are some Imams to avoid that happening will go Allahu Akbar intentionally, making takbir in the ruku' so there's no possibility of the other people getting in front of him. And Shaykh Uthameen very strictly, very harshly criticizes such an Imam. Calls him Jahil Jahil Murakkab. You know, most Imams. Well, you know what it is? You know what it is? Um, it is a challenge. We definitely recognize that it is a difficult situation for an imam when he knows that there's so many people, especially Paxiani, who are just desperate to jump straight in. Any movement? Any movement? No, I don't think it's any movement that gets in front of the imam. I think it's a movement that, that indicates a rushing and indicates a trying to get there. No, that's not for any movement. This is because this takbir is called takbirul intiqal, the takbir of the movement. Yeah, because you have two types of takbir, right? It's only on the movement, really, no? It's only on the movement. Yeah. The takbir so, is only meant to be done during a movement. And so, that, is that the same? So, when you sit down from one sit down, you go to the next sit should it be in that movement again? Correct. So, when you're going from and such. All these are finished. But this is why we said, I, I don't know who I was pointing it out to in the Quran Museum. That when it said that the person who should lead the prayer, I don't know if you saw, uh, yani from the honor of the Quran, there was a post about the honor of the Quran, and one of them it said, Okay, and they've translated it as in the Quran Museum, so let the one who has led you is the one who has memorized most of the book and is well versed in the book of Allah. And I know what they're trying to do, but that's not the translation. Allah did not say, and the Prophet did not say that the one who should um, uh, lead the prayer is one who has memorized the book of Allah. It's the one who ha is most versed in the book of Allah. And the most versed in the book of Allah does not just mean the one who has memorized the most. The best reciting, proper reciting, knows what to do if there's a problem. Yani he breaks his wudu, what do I do? Do I just, yani, you know, just, you know, you need to be cool enough to say, right, turn around, get someone, give that person, that person doesn't have the fright of his life as well. Like what's happening here, all the thousand people behind me, and I'm going to grab him, I'm going to say to him, calm, you're going to carry on, you're going to lead the prayer from exactly where I am. Okay, either they, and that's why of course it's sooner, we covered this before, that the people behind the Imam should be the most knowledgeable. All right, those are the most yani, wise people so that they don't need to be told, they just take over automatically. And if they don't, yeah, the Imam's got to be able to know that when he makes a mistake in a salah, do I need to do such a salah? Like for example, if I, like the Imam today, uh, Hussein al-Sheikh, yeah? Was Hussein al-Sheikh in Isha today? Uh, I think it was Hussein al-Sheikh. And to be honest, Hussein al-Sheikh has a... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was Hussain al-Sheikh. It sounded to me like him, but anyway, he made a couple of mistakes, all right? Now, there are some people that will see those couple of mistakes and they think these are mistakes. Where's the sajda sahu? Obviously, an imam, a scholar, knows that there's no sujuda sahu for mistakes in a surah. A surah which, in of itself, is not obligatory to recite anyway. Mistakes are about actual technical mistakes in the prayer of missing things out, forgetting things, 
yani from the actual structure of the prayer. So you need to have knowledge. And then to know whether you make the sajda or not, to make the sajda before salam, to make the sajda after salam, etc, etc, etc. So the manipulation of the imam for his takbir is an expression of A, understanding what the people are going to do behind him, but sunnah to be the guiding principle. He can't yani, throw away the sunnah and just think of the people behind him. That I'm going to have to sit and say Allah Akbar because of a bunch of packs who are going to jump up quickly. He can't be changing the structure of the prayer just because they're praying wrong. But if the person himself is messing it up, and I'll give you a classic example, and that's why you see me criticizing the imams who will do this kind of behavior. Allahu Akbar. What's that? What is that? That's ridiculous. Yani, a person who's making that kind of statement going into Ruqur, if a person who's praying behind, you, you're thinking, when do I go? When do I go? When do I go? It's going, going for ages. It's Allahu Akbar. That's what it is. And if you do Allahu Akbar, that's enough for me to go into Ruqur and it's a good time for him to go. But if I am from my ignorance thinking that, all right, I'm an imam, big position, let me test my voice, and I go, Allahu I am sinful. Because when I start that Allah, I know they're going to go. And now when I elongate it, then I'm now reducing my time to go down. And they're probably gone down. So that's when the Imam is to blame. But the Imam is not to blame if he goes, Allahu Akbar, and those packs are going straight into the court immediately. That's not my problem. And I'm not going to change the prayer no, as a result. It's, it's worse if you go into the sajda, which is there, after the second From the second one, to the, to the, from, the, from this. From, from standing to sajda. From standing to sajda. They're all yani, already to go. That's, that, is, that is very, very good. Very good point. So for example, when you're in Rabbana wa alhamd, okay, as uh, Usman said, they're about to go for Allahu Akbar, yes? They're already only halfway down. This is where the Imam needs to use fiqh and he would reduce, he would delay the takbir. But the delay of the takbir would be to hear Allahu Akbar, that's where, the, that's where it would be. It wouldn't be get into sajda and say takbir. And what it wouldn't be is to start right this very second. Allahu Akbar, that would be the mistake. He should be going and saying, Allahu Akbar. So he's like nearly, nearly there, but way before he finishes. And he's going to complete it before he goes down. And that is from the responsibility of the imam. Could it not be that he shortens that time that he's standing for? No, because again, we got back in the scenario where you're changing the prayer by sacrificing sunnah. We know that the time that he's standing for is meant to be a long one. Yeah, well, you know, we've got to change that, 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 that habit. It's so true. You know, it's exactly as you said, they're like on a diving board. They, they, they are, they're ready like that. You know when you're about to dive? They are literally like on a diving board, ready. Just let us go and, you know, we're going into triple Tom daily, whatever. Did we not cover this in one of the classes before? So this issue, what you're asking about, the changing of the length of takbir and the changing of sound. I'm sure I covered it somewhere, but, or maybe it was fiqh salah. Sorry, fiqh salah. Sorry, not in this class. I want to say to you that there is no basis from the sunnah, and a number of scholars called it bid'ah as well, to do something that we all do. All, as imams, we all do. And you will all recognize when I give this example. So if I'm in sajda, okay, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. If I hear that second one, am I standing up or sitting down? The last one. You're standing up. Allahu Akbar, sitting down. The tone is very different. This is bid'ah, there's no doubt about it. The Prophet never ever changed the intonation of his takbir. Everyone does it. And I'll be honest with you, it's a bad habit. And the, the, and the scholars, they criticize the Imams that do that. Even though it has a function. The function is clear. It's if people behind have forgotten which uh, rak'ah they're in, or you know, they're about to prepare their legs to sit, tawarruk, and so on and so forth. It gives them indication of how to actually sit. Yeah? So it is, a, it is one of those. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, Sheikh Uthameen doesn't like it. 
the main point is, is that there is no evidence to differentiate between length or intonation of a takbir. There's no evidence. You've got to be strong in educating. These people have got to learn the sunnah. And if they're being ignorant about it, then you just got to not increase their ignorance, not necessarily throw them under the bus, try to find a middle way. So ideally, I don't want to be waiting here until I say Allah Akbar. I want to say, Allah Akbar. That's the sunnah. I want to do that. Start from there, finish there, which is like they're going to ruku'ah. Because the Prophet ﷺ taught the people to not move until the action had been completed. The Salaf said, the companion said, that this, the Salaf said about the companion, sorry. They said that when we saw the companions, we can remember one thing that they were uniform on. They would never move to the next position of a prayer until the Imam was there. So they would not go into sujood unless the Imam had gone to sujood out of fear that they get there before him. Because the Prophet ﷺ criticized that so much. So we know what the answer is. So instead of us changing, we've got to educate them to do that instead. And I will start my takbir here, and I will end it before I get there. And the people have got to wait and not rush with me. And the people on diving board have just got to just jump off. Right, so. Um, time, how much time gone? 36. 36? Dr. Tsab's going to have a heart attack. Right. Um, the next point. Rafi'an Yadehi. Time for some fun now, okay? So, when it comes to that action, of course, in the Hanbali school, there's a raising of the hands. In the Hanbali school, there's a raising of the hands. In the Shafi'i school, there's a raising of the hands. When they go into Ruqur. And this place where it goes to, is either to the level of the shoulders, as we said, or to the level of the ears. And as we said before, the matter is flexible because either this hadith means that the bottom of the hands are at the ears, or it means that the bottom of the hands are at the shoulders, or it means both, which is what we've said as a class position, right? We said that if you have these two hadith, the reconciliation which is possible is that the hands are coming up to this level, and they are actually hitting the ears at the bottom, in the top of the fingers, and they're able to hit the shoulders as well. So this kind of level, is absolutely yani, hitting the bullseye, okay? So when he goes into ruku', he lifts his hands to that level, and then he places them on his knees. The hadith, the, the, the evidence by the way, for those who want to know, is the hadith of Abdullah bin Umar. He said that the Prophet that the Prophet would raise his hands when he would make Allahu Akbar for ruku'. This hadith of course, is as authentic as it gets. Narrated Bukhari and Muslim. And that is why the Hanafi school gets into a real difficulty in trying to deal with this. Yeah, exactly. Why did the Hanafi... Oh, you're opening up a huge chapter. Huge chapter. Si simply put, the Hanafis considered this hadith to be abrogated. They considered it to be early. Some of them said that this hadith was revealed for a reason. Obviously, they gave different reasons. Some of the most stupid reasons ever. We've seen that before, of course. We discussed it in LP. They used to say that the companions used to be people of shirk, used to hide idols underneath their arms. Prophet ﷺ told them to yani, lift their arms to be able to let them drop. This, I have to say, in my opinion, if I hadn't seen it from a senior Hanafi, I would never be believe that they were using it. But most of the Hanafis reject this thinking anyway. But the main reason, the main reason, is because there were a number of companions that did not raise their hands. That's why. And from them, as far as I am concerned, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. And I think that that's authentic, that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud did not raise his hands. Anyway, we know that to raise the hands in the prayer is a sunnah anyway. No, no, it doesn't mean that coming from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud that it is definitely an action, not an action. It means that it is very possible that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud missed the action. It is also possible that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud saw the Prophet ﷺ praying and he didn't do it. It's also possible that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had his own opinion on why the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands. Which is why we say that the Hanifi opinion is a valid opinion. They are following a companion who has narrated from the Prophet ﷺ what he thinks how you should pray. So this is not questioning the Hanifi position of not raising the hands. This is making sure that those who raise their hands are solid about their evidence and it couldn't get any more solid. There is no doubt that the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands in the prayer. How a person then deals with it with the companions that didn't, that's their problem. But it's a problem that they've dealt with legally, and whoever follows that opinion is covered. Don't have to worry about that.
Don't have to worry about that. No hand if you should be feeling the stress. Yep. We discussed earlier that um, the raising of hands in this situation is not the same as your... This is a really good point. One of my teachers, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Dadu, okay, he uh, insists that the raising of the hands in Ruqur is not the same as the raising of the hands at, at the point of Takbir al-Ihram. He said that the raising of the hands when you start the prayer is a higher, more solid raising. And whereas the raising of the hands yani when you're going into Ruqur and coming up from Ruqur is a lower one. That is the position of some of the scholars, especially some of the older scholars. The problem is, is that there seems to be very little evidence for it. How low do you go? In terms of raising of the hands? Yes, yeah, so we, we can agree somewhere near the shoulders, but how low is low? I've seen kind of diving Oh yeah, we, 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 when we covered the, the raising of the hands, we said that all this kind of you know behavior where people do this kind of stuff, that's nonsense, rejected completely. And doing raising hands like this is nonsense as well. It's got to be an open hand, it's a raising of the hands. It's literally a raising of an open hand. It's not, you know, like, you know when you see even, even the Hanafi school, okay, they have used the same hadith, the one where the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands to the level of his fingers, to the level of his uh, ears, and the level of his shoulders, to do this, okay? And when they do this, they've got no justification to turn the hands this way. If they're gonna do it, they should do it like this. If they're gonna stick to the text, then they should do it like that. Or, as you see some of the Hanafis do, they do it, they do it like this, and they keep their hands straight. And you know, there's a, and there's also, as yeah, being intimated here, there's a difference between, no, no, you're right, I believe that it should be like that, and then practice-wise, when you get quicker and get more kind of lazier, if you like, then it goes to this. I think it's, it's not someone less studied, obviously, that's going to do anything else. I think anyone that's... Anyone, yeah, anyone who's learned is going to try and keep their, uh, their, their, their hands straight. So, likewise, to, to, to raise their hands and just do this, you know, to do a flick, like people flick. And especially in the Arab countries, you see a lot of flicking. And a lot of people, like, when they come up from the it's very lazy. They come up from this line, it's like... Like Wallah is like dancing in a club. And it's not acceptable, right? It's not like this. It is a raising of the hands. I've seen them walking to the table the old thingy, huh? <laughs> That's the Arabs, mashallah. Yeah, the Paks have got some problems, but the Arabs bring some yeah, sick ones as well, you know. This whole walking kind of convertible kind of thingy kind of behavior is amazing. And that shouldn't be done. Yeah, and a person when he uh, when, when when he stands for prayer. The Prophet ﷺ said, Salli salatin wada. Yani when you stand for prayer, prayer as if it's your final prayer. This ain't yani, my final prayer. <laughs> Anyone who's like, yani, that's my final prayer. Listen, you have text as well, and if you want to hear it, then you have to sort Right. And then when he goes, Allah Akbar, where does he put his hands? He puts them on his knees. What does he put on his knees? His hands. What does he mean by hands? Yed. What does yed mean? The yed is this. This is the yed. The arm. Does he put his arms on the... The word yed. What does it mean? Forearm. Okay. So does he therefore put his forearm on the knees? Bit have, difficult. You would have to to make sure the entire hand is there, then then you have to fold these back into your knees, then to You'd have to correct, you'd have to go over <coughs> overcompensate. And there's an interesting qaida, an interesting maxim, okay? And Nalyad is a Uslikat Fahiel Kef. Whenever the word hand is used in an absolute sense, it only refers to the palm. Okay? The facing palm. Whenever the hand is used in Arabic or in any kind of language, then it is, or in a Quran for example, then it is referring to the palm. The evidence for that is, as, I, as, as we said before, Allah, we covered this before, uh, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to, in, in your understanding, when He uses the word yad, if He wants to increase in your understanding of it being more than the kaf, He will clarify it. So that's why Allah says, did you see that? If the yad meant the entire hand to the elbow, Allah would not have said, 
wash your faces and your hands to the elbow. Would it make sense? He should just say, wash your hands. Does that make sense? Because this is the whole hand. But therefore we now learn that the principle is, is that when the word hand is used, it only refers to the palm. And then if he wants to, subhanAllah, wants to increase in your understanding what he's referring to, he'll use additional words. Does that make sense? And then also, وَلِهَذَا And that's what Al-Ma'idah verse 6. وَلِهَذَا يُقْتَعُ أَسَّارِقُ مِنْ مِفْسِلَ الْكَفِ that is, that is why the one who steals, when he is, when he is, when his hand is cut off, it is cut off from this joint here. فَقْطَعُ أَيْدِيَهُمَا so when the word AD is used, the hands, the Sunnah has made it very, very clear that it is cut there, not cut here, not cut anywhere else, but rather there, so that it can heal into a, a solid thing. Obviously, that itself would be a complete disaster. Okay? Um, so, it is Sunnah, Sunnah, وَهِيَ sunnah al akhira Okay? And it's a final Sunnah. Here's something that you didn't uh, know. That's a good thing that you are guaranteed. I guarantee that none of you are about to know what I'm going to tell you. Okay? When I say this is a sunnah akhira, it means that there's a sunnah before that. What was the sunnah of the hands in ruku'? Close your fingers. your fingers. I'm not talking about the sunnah now, of what we do. I'm saying, how did we Muslims? Sunnah, Prophet used to put the hands in Rukwa. What do you think? So, close fingers, close fingers, what, how? Dalau, how? Where? On the two knees, okay? Knees. Next, Imran, come on, give me a shout. Nice. On the sides. On the sides of what? Go on. Bend. So keep him on the thighs. Yeah. Okay. Not too far off. Is it, is it showing the thingy? The, the picture? Uh, it's got to show the knees. Here we go. Move it, move it. It's fine, you move it. I'm going to now demonstrate the thingy. Go on, next. Next option. Anything? No? Open fingers. Open fingers is the sunnah. Open fingers is the sunnah now. It's called tatbiq. Tatbiq is closed fingers, closed hands in between the knees. This is how the ruku used to be. In between thighs or in between the knees. This is how the ruku used to be done. Sunnah that used to be. And then the sunnah became on the knees and how described as open hands and open fingers. So it is not bald, it's open. And it's not together fingers, it's open. So it is like this. So in Rukur, we've got the knees definitely being grasped. Okay, definitely being grasped full. And the knees around and straight. Before it used to be like this. Now open, not, not like this. You don't make any Rukur with your hands or your fingers closed. So not any fingers closed like this. Fingers open, grabbing the knee in its entirety. Not that the side. Not in the inside, on it, grasping, fingers open. Knees locked out. Knees straight, locked out, yeah, legs straight. The only time that you're allowed to bend your knees is someone who's got a bad back problem. You know, if you've ever had a bad back, you can't straighten your knees because it straight stretches your thing too much. When I had my L4, L5 or whatever, I could not go straight unless I bent my knees and then I could make my back straight. You do that and you just kill your back. Yeah? So... Uh, and it's a proper one. It's a proper grasping, not just a touch. You know, some people, I, I, actually I, today I prayed next to someone who literally, uh, uh, he, you know, they place it on it. You know what I mean? You seem like, you know, when, like when a kid when he prays normally, they, they place their hands very gently upon their knees. It's a grasp. It's not a just touch. It's not like a half surface thing. Proper grab. Yeah? Uh, mus, huh? So, opening the can of worms like Sir always does. The answer is, according to the Sunnah, no. According to the Sunnah, there is no evidence. Amongst the madhabs though, absolutely. As you're seeing, Yani, from all the women, you're seeing that their prayers are very different to what you used to pray before. You're also seeing them very different to how a normal man would pray. 
and they've justified that. Have we ever even covered that in LP? Have we started that? No, only touched on it. Yeah, we actually we haven't we haven't got to that section yet, which is why we haven't covered it. But in principle, what we've got is this basically this dichotomy between: Do I try to protect my modesty in the human sense and change my body position? Okay, and you know, the understanding. I'm like, I'll bring this uh, thing here. Put it here like that. Yeah, does that cover it? Does that thingy? You have to hold it, yeah? So for example, when you look at ruqwa, the physiology obviously of the, of the, the anatomy of the woman and the man are different. So a man, yeah, and he doesn't have yeah, any parts which, you know, obviously are causing a problem to their modesty. A man, yeah, and he can go like that. A woman is not expected to do that, all right? In the theory, as the theory goes. So the arms are covering the chest. Things are closed. Everything is, yeah, any more, yeah, any like this, right? Arms are not apart. You're going to see right now that we're talking about a person and of a back. The back is not straightened. The back is kind of curved. Everything is all curved, curved to protect the body, closed. I describe the woman's prayer as a closed prayer. When they're praying, they keep their arms closed. They cover their chest. When they go into sajda, they don't go like that. They're all curled up into a ball to protect the body. That all makes sense if you're praying in public all the time. You're praying at home about most of the time. You're not in front of anyone. Where did this theory come from? Where did this idea come from? It didn't come from the Sunnah. We know very clearly from the Sunnah of the Prophet what is meant to be different between men and women. This is not one of them. We know that, for example, in the prayer, when a, a, a person makes a mistake, a man says, SubhanAllah, okay, and a woman makes attention, she claps. It's a clear difference. We know that when a woman is leading the salah, she is in the middle of the prayer line. She does not stand like an imam. She doesn't lead the normal prayers. We have a very clear understanding. They have separate lines. When the Prophet wants to make clear the difference between men and women, he tells us. He didn't tell us that they pray differently in this. The scholars later, they said, he didn't. But you know what? I think that we'll still tell our women to be more modest than cover. So when someone asks me, I say, listen, if you've been brought up in your life by teachers, madhab, scholars, whatever, whatnot, and they've told you to do that, you continue. Because you'll end up confusing yourself if you start putting everyone and everywhere. But if you're studying this issue properly and academically, there is no difference at all between a male and female prayer. Simple evidence for that is that if you're praying at home, whatever you do to your body, arms out, this, that, whatever, so what? Who's watching? You know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the evidence. It kills the discussion. So the next point is, Mustawiyan dhahrahu al-istiwa, okay, meaning that the back has to be straight. And the back having to be straight is referring to not just the back, but uh, not just to, to straightness, but the straight straightness. Two levels of straightness. I'm not describing that. So it's got to be... Inclination. Inclination and straight. Correct. Because this is straight as well. Would you agree? Space slope. Yeah? This is perfectly straight, but it's not parallel to the ground. So it's got to be parallel to the ground, and it's got to be straight. So it can't be like that. It can't be... So this is straight, but it's not the sunnah. Because the hadith makes it very clear. Aisha said that when the Prophet ﷺ would go into Ruqur, if you placed water upon it in his back, if you poured water, it wouldn't pour off. So what you've got to do, and this is very difficult, of course. Hold on, I thought we were losing Lala for this. No, it's bad back. Bad back? He's got the best back here. No. Every second. No, no. He's, he's, they say he's an athlete. I'm not buying it. Honestly, I'm I don't know what kind of athlete that is. I don't know. Anyway. Get coach on instead. <laughs> Coach, our coach has got a good rukou, by the way. Mashallah, tabarakallah. Coach, you got to do something. Come on, help us out, yara. Come on, come on, coach. Yeah, 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 we need it, yara. Coach, yeah, that's right. Look how happy he is. Because I'm giving him a conversation. Show how happy he is. No, no, we're going to make you do it now. No, 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 come on, I'll go right back. Kasim, yara, you know what? Don't get so happy. Coach. Mashallah. So. Let's say, can we do it? Can we be straight across that? Okay, go back this way. So I'm going to now show you, so the functions here are important. One, let's get the knee straight, okay? And this is difficult, okay? You have to be manipulated by someone else. There's no way that you can do this yourself. We want now to go down and the head is going to be important because if you look towards your feet, your back will never be straight. If you look towards your sajda point, your back will never be straight. If you look straight down, then your back will be straight because your head is going to be in line. Mashallah. This is what's referring to straight. Mashallah. This is straight. It's straight because it's parallel with the ground and it's straight because it's actually straight. You pour water, the water's staying there. It's not sure where to go. You move a little bit this way, it then goes off. This is not going to be straight because the back is straight but it's not parallel to the ground. And this is not going to be straight because even though it now it's got a curve, you can maybe make it straight and it's now moving more to the ground. 
You get what I'm saying? And normally, obviously, mashallah, he's coach, he's an athlete, yeah? But normally what you have to do with people when we're doing this is that we have to use our arm like this and lift them and lift their shoulders. Pressing down here and then lifting their shoulders up, trying to manipulate them to get the straight back. And then they have to look in the mirror and then try to memorize that position. And it's hard work. It's hard work. In, in only when... <laughs> that is obviously... Yeah, and it's something that you have to practice with another person. A straight back is important. All of the companions made that very, very clear. Can you sawi dhahrahu? Imam Ahmed in the hadith says that he would straighten his back. And uh, And even if water was to be poured upon it, it would freeze. 55? Okay. Um, and one other thing, okay, that when you go into ruku', okay, the other thing that you do when you go into ruku' is your arms. Now your arms are meant to be away, okay? Your arms, this is your back, and your arms are meant to be like mine. You see that? Okay, because this is quite baggy. No, it's not that baggy, you can see. You can see the gap, yeah? Right? This is what you're meant to do. But this is conditional on what? What do you think this is conditional on? Sorry? Good. All right, this is when you're alone, do you do this? But if there are people, yeah, in left and right, and you're sticking your arms out and it's a small space, that's not allowed. Not only is it not sunnah, it's not allowed to do. You've got to then put your arms in. That's the only time when you put your arms in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala condemns the people, those people who harm the believers, because of nothing, because of what they've done. And then they have taken upon themselves a very serious and clear ithm, very clear sin. Those who are causing harm, adha. And that's very important yani, in all aspects, not just physical. Yani, as you're going to see, we're going to now develop the prayer. Obviously, we're finishing now, but we're going to develop the prayers in the, over the next few lessons. That when it comes to sajda, your arms are going to be out. But not when you're in with, you know, peoples. Likewise, when you're going... Yani, you know, obviously, when you come to Masjid Nabawi or Haram, it's a big shock for people when you see people do crazy things. And they do the craziest things. Like someone, you know, you've got to be really calm. Like early on today, Zahr, the person, yani, he went for salah. He's in front of me. And you know, everyone obviously wearing the bags on the back, yeah? Because you're taking your shoes and chapel things, okay? So he goes for the poor and obviously he realizes that he's got his bag on, yeah? So he comes back up for sajda, he realizes that if I put my bag on in Rukur, if I go to sajda, it's going to do that whole slide down thing and hit me on the head. So what does he do? He just drops it. <laughs> I'm behind him. Just drops it. Like I couldn't care less about Yanni, the guy behind me. Now I've only got this much space and now you've left me now half that space. Well, what the hell? Yani a person is not thinking. And this is something that I'm going to talk about tomorrow when you guys get into Ihram. When you get into Ihram, one of the big problems of course, and this is why I'm going to be very nice and gentle with you for the first three, four times that I tell you and see you, but then afterwards I'm going to get angry, is when the Ihram is going to keep falling off. And what every pack does? <laughs> And you throw the thing and you get it in the eye. You get it in the eye all the time. And you don't even need to be straight there. You need to be even a foot back and wallop, wallop, wallop. Now, admittedly, the guy is not realizing, but any person who's aware of himself has got to be thinking around. You know, Muslims are like these completely oblivious to everyone else's people. They don't care. Same, same, same. We've, we've, we, you know, all, all, all of these people who don't care. This is other, other. And look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. They've done a great yani, disrespect to the Muslims and they have taken upon themselves a clear sin. That's any other, any other. So that's a reminder to all of us, not just whilst we're here, but everyone watching at home, everything. When it comes to salah, when it comes to acts of the sunnah, then you've got to be making sure that you don't, yani, you know, in pursuit of the sunnah. Another example would be sitting tawarruk, for example, where you sit on the left, yani buttock, and you know, you're leaning, yani, you know, and destroying the other guy who's next to you, right? That's something which happens, of, of course, as well. And, 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 and I don't know how many millions of examples. Anyway, we finished the lesson with this statement. Um, the ruku' we've defined. The ruku' has been defined in what it should be, the sunnah. So you go, you go into a straight position, and you put your, your hands upon your knees, in a very clear, solid way, and you keep your back straight, okay? And that is the minimum sunnah of the ruku'ah. Someone might ask, okay, but what's the minimum legal reality of the ruku'ah? And there are two positions. There are two positions that are legal minimal, meaning that we're not gonna make the person repeat the prayer again, or we're not gonna invalidate the prayer. The first one 
is the position of the Hanbali school. And you're gonna, this is a crazy one. If you wanna know why, yani all these people, even though the Hanbalis don't practice it so much because we only see really the Paks and the Hanafis doing this most of the time, okay? If you wanna know why they do the prayer so bad, it's because their own Imams have given them the, the open the door for them. So look at this. That as long as his as long as he can touch his knees, that's a ruqwa. He can't be someone with long arms. That's what he says. Anyway, so I want you to imagine that a person I don't know, my arms long or not? How they long? How do you know they're long? What the famous statement is that? Yeah, you got long arms. I'm tall. If I'm, my arms are long, my legs are long as well, bro. Yeah, but then your body could be long and not your arms. Exactly. Thank you. That's why we bring on surah again. You can come again the third time on surah. Simeon like. Simeon like. They have long arms. Long arms. Just stick to obeisance, yeah? <laughs> Let's stick to obeisance, that was enough. <laughs> short arms. You know, by the way, there are people who have different body, short legs and long bodies. Have you seen Sheikh Ehlan? Sheikh Ehlan's classic example, short legs, huge upper body. Whenever he sits in our cars, always hits his head. And we've got the seat lowered for him. We always lower the seat before he comes in. Whenever he comes in, he lowers his head, bosh, and he hits the top. He's the same height as I am. But his, 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 his thingy is maybe this. Body ratio, whatever it is. No, no, he's just a tiny bit shorter. But his upper body is like nearly half a foot more than mine. And when you see Sheikh Ilhan, you'll see. So anyway, the point, the point is, is that a person, listen, right, look, look at me now. You guys think I've got long arms, yeah? Okay, and so I'm going to now, let's see how I do to touch my knees. There. According, if I've got long arms, then then this, I'm disqualified. But if my arms are medium, which is what the Hanbalis say, a person with medium arms, as long as he can touch his knees, that is the legal minimum. Legal. What do you mean? What's that going to do? What are you doing? Spread your legs. I'm trying to think, what's going on? Am I being arrested here? <laughs> <laughs> Focus. So, and, I, and we think our, our, our arms are my arms are long. So let's then go a bit further. We're going to go a bit further, okay? So basically, if we assume to cover for my length of arms to about there, then this is what they would consider to be a legal rukur. Look how bad that is, bro. That's a good in in in, in most people's world. That's a good rukur. In most people's world, that's a good rukur, and that is a humbly madhab. That's a humbly madhab. What is the, the other statement of the scholars? Um, yeah, and this is my this is my this is my position. Okay, this is my uh, uh, the, the class position as well. That the legal minimum for ruku that does not need you to repeat the prayer again, but is an embarrassment and a shame and go and stick your head in the sand, is if what you do and someone sees you is clearly closer to ruku than sujood. I always call this yani, the, the passing by the broom cupboard test. Ruku, okay? Then standing, you mean? Yeah, yani, you know, you know what it is, right? The, the broom cupboard test is you're praying in the broom cupboard at work, and you know Julie yani, from the from the from the whatever from HR, she walks past very quickly and she has a look in the open door and she walks uh, she walks thingy, yeah. And when when she gets asked upstairs, where's so and so? Where's Mo? Where's Mo? Okay, and then it's Mo was standing or Mo was bowing and she has a very clear yani, answer on that mm. so in one second when they had a quick look and they moved on what did they think you were doing does that make sense so if you are here what's she gonna say standing standing she's gonna say standing and if you are here what's she gonna say you're bowing right so there is some point that the public, and it's not about scholars, and it's not about, it's about the general public, when they look at a person, they are clear, it might be bad, but that's, they're in Rukur. Whatever rubbish it is, but they're in Rukur. Or however rubbish their standing is, they're in standing. 
So that's the basic uh, uh, class position. That the legal minimum of ruku' is so that everyone knows that you are in ruku'. You are closer to ruku' than you are to standing, and the people understand it like that. Is that clear, folks? No doubt, though, that the sunnah, grabbing of the knees, fingers outstretched, knees straight, head straight down, not towards your feet, not towards your sajda, not anywhere further, straight down, straight back. You have to have someone to manipulate the, the ups and downs of your back and get it as straight as possible. It will never be completely straight. It's not meant to be complete. The spine is curved, yeah, and it's not completely, completely both straight. But there will be a dip that will make sure that if there was water poured in the middle, it's not going to go anywhere. And it requires practice, and this is perfection. And you know that a little bit in and out is not going to be a major issue. All right, folks? So that's the end of the text. Any questions? <coughs> Any questions? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got a personal question. Go on. Mm -hmm. I've got an imam, imam locally. Yeah. When I select the salam, and he's standing from the book. So he's done the book, he's standing. And uh, I've, I've, so I've walked in late. I've seen him standing, but he's not said Allah Akbar yet. He's, he's not said Sami Allah Alaihi Hamidah. Do you understand the question? So the question is, I come in late to the Salah, the Imam is in Ruku, and as I'm getting up to the Saf to join him, he stands up straight, but has not said Sami Allahu Liman Hamidah. Me joining him, because he hasn't said Sami Allahu Liman Hamidah. Have I caught the Ruku? I.e. the question is, is the Ruku based upon his statement or upon his action? What do you think? Action. action, an action it is. If he is standing up, if he is standing up and you see him, then you cannot consider yourself to have found him in the prayer. Again, in ruku. Why? Because he's moved to the next rukun, which is standing. The word Sami Allah Liman Hamida is only an obligation anyway. So the issue is if I couldn't see him. Now that is different. If you can't see him and you assume yani, that he's down, or the last time that you saw him, he was down, then you assume well, you catch what you catch. Yani, you can't be blamed for doing anything else. But if you saw him... Does he need chopping? Obviously he needs chopping. Because he's up for three seconds. No, obviously he needs chopping. So obviously, you, that's the problem of... <laughs> obviously, yani, Patan's yani, obviously like that, as you know. Cousins are like that. What can we do? But yeah, he's got to be saying, Samiyallahu liman hamida. And that's next lesson, actually. The next lesson is that. Next lesson. Insha'Allah, as he's from? Al-Quds Al-Aqsa. Make dua, bro. Custom, I don't know if you, I don't think you made dua even one. Two sick ones. Desperate times, bro. You've been making dua or not? Bro, I'm telling you, we're not getting in, you know that, yeah? Oh my god. I hope your mum's got us by that. I swear, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. We need all the help we can get. Next lesson, Aqsa, insha'Allah. we sick ones. Right in front of IDF. Oh, yes. Tell her, like, put it off. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> 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 <